Welcome to Desert City Church's podcast. Thanks for listening in. What you are about to hear is a sermon given live at one of our Sunday gatherings. We are a new church serving neighborhoods on the edge of North Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Our sermons are ongoing conversations around a sacred text or scripture in which we find the story of Jesus. We hope they inspire you to love God and others more. If we can serve you in any way or answer any questions about our community, please don't hesitate to ask. You can find out more information at DesertCityChurch.com. All right. Happy Father's Day again. Um, I feel like you don't really fully appreciate your dad until after high school. Once you get into college and you start to realize all the things that your parents did for you and all the laundry that you didn't have to do, and all the cooking and cleaning that you didn't have to do. And uh, it tends to stay that way until you get married, and then you don't have to do any of that anymore, which is awesome. Um, I'm just joking. I do still have to do that. Um, but I, I think that I, I've really come to appreciate my parents in like the last four or five years. Is my voice sounding a little funny? Um, in the last like four or five years, I've really come to appreciate my, my parents and Sarah's parents, and we actually like like hanging out with them. We like spending time with them. And uh, I remember, ooh, I remember like, gosh, how long ago was it? Four years ago, um, we had just gone to visit my parents, just gone to kind of hang out with them um, for fun, and um, we were headed back through the LA airport back home, and. No one, no one here likes the airport. Like, no one goes to the airport and thinks, like, I got to get back there sometime because that was fun, and I want to hang out at the airport. Everyone who goes to the airport hates it. You hate going through security. You hate, like, the waiting, and they shuffle you through like sheep, just, like, going through the pen, and people are fighting in line, trying to get that, like, one space earlier, even though the seats are already assigned. I, I really don't get it. But um, I remember this specific trip. Um, we were going through the airport security. And by this time, I'm kind of a pro, and so I know I'm a three-bin guy. I take my shoes and everything out of my pocket that goes in one bin, computer by itself in another bin, and then you take uh, the bag and I threw it in the last bin. And um, we push the stuff through security. You go through, you you know, do the hands up. They scan your body. Um, looked good. Came through. <laughs> um, and Sarah and I are sitting there waiting for our bags to come through, and I can kind of tell that something is wrong. Um, there's a guy pointing at the screen, and there, he kind of calls another guy over and points to the screen again, and it's our stuff. I can tell like the, the people in front of us are gone now. Our stuff is in there. And so I do what any good husband would do. I turn to Sarah and I say, what do you leave in your bag? <laughs> Gosh, like, what is this, like the third time, Sarah? Come on. How many knives am I going to lose? Um, but uh, they, they finally pull the stuff through, and they walk over, and the guy reaches down, and he grabs my bag, and he looks at me, and he goes, sir, is, is this your bag? And I was like, oh, just the, the shame and embarrassment <laughs> as I gave my wife the eyes of, I'm so sorry. This is totally my fault. And so uh, he called me over to this kind of separate table, and I remember he says these words, and at first, they didn't even register. But I'll never forget what he says. He asked me this question. He, he goes, sir, do you have a bullet in your bag? And, I, and I, I will never forget that question 
that he asked me that. Um, and so today, what we're going to be talking about is this guy Joshua. And it's towards the end of his life, this, this verse that we're looking at. And what he's going to be doing, he's, he's telling the Israelites this story. And at, and at the end, he's kind of posing this question. And it's a question that he's hoping that the Israelites will never forget. He's hoping that the answer they have to this question, they'll remember it forever. And so um, what we're looking at today is Joshua 24, 15. It's the verse that you've probably seen on your grandma's throw pillow or in the living room uh, at your parents' house. It's, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I love that verse. And, you know, it's like a, it is a great verse to throw on a wall in your house. You're like, yeah, we're going to serve. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. Like, we're going to serve God. But I think um, has kind of happened is we've overused it so much and we've, and we've taken it out of context that most people don't even know what's going on in Joshua's life when he's saying this. No one, no one really knows. I mean, is it just Joshua saying, yeah, I want to serve God? Or, or is there more going on here? And so that's what we're going to look at. Um, we're going to kind of take a look at Joshua's life. Who is this guy? What's going on? And why does he say this? So first off, who is Joshua? Joshua is the guy who takes over after Moses. So you got Moses who brings the Israelites out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea, and they're free. And, and so they come to the Promised Land after 40 years of wandering. And Moses is kind of a big deal. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he, he's kind of a big deal. He's the guy who put his staff in the water, and, and the sea split in half. I mean, he's, he's like the man. And they get to the edge of the promised land that God has promised them, and Moses dies. And so next up in line is this guy, Joshua. He's taking over. And he's got some pretty big shoes to fill, and I'm sure he's like, gosh, I, you, don't, you don't want to be the leader after, like, a legend. You want the guy before you to have, like, kind of done a bad job so that you can come in and be like, I'm pretty cool, though, huh? Like, I did a, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. But, but Joshua's got these huge shoes to fill. And so picking up in Joshua 1, what ends up happening is Joshua gets to be the one to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Um, in, in the similar way that they split the Red Sea, uh, they split the river that's separating them from the promised land, and he leads the Israelites in. And so for the next, like, 10 chapters, it's, it's the Israelites fighting for this land. It's Joshua leading the Israelites into battle after battle, the first Battle, the popular one that most people know is the Battle of Jericho, where they march around the walls of Jericho seven times, and then the, the walls crumble, and Israel is given victory by God. And so Joshua, he leads his people into battle after battle, and, and God is faithful time and time again. And finally, towards the end of his life, they have conquered. The, the promised land is finally theirs. And so they have this big meeting where they get together and they're going to split up the land. There's the 12 tri tribes of Israel. And so now what they're going to do is they're going to split up the, the promised land to these 12 tribes, and, and it's going to be awesome. And so here's Joshua at this meeting, and he's thinking, I'm getting towards the end of my life. This might be the last time I have to address everyone here. This might be the last thing that people remember me saying. And so he, he has this speech that he gives at the end of his life. And, and you know it's going to be something important. You know it's going to be something that is, is the last thing he wants to leave his people with. And so 
in, in chapter 23 and chapter 24, he begins by talking about God. And he talks about what God has done for his people throughout all time. He starts with Abraham, or he starts even before Abraham. He starts, he starts with our ancestors who didn't even know God, who lived across the Euphrates. And, and then God said, you know what? I'm going to make those people my people. And he calls Abraham, and, and he talks about how God is faithful to Abraham. Then he talks about how God is faithful to Abraham's son Isaac, how God is faithful to Isaac's son Jacob, how, how God is faithful to Jacob's son Joseph, and, and how God has been faithful to the Israelite people, how, how Moses led them out of slavery and, and now the land that, that God promised Abraham years and years and years ago, they're sitting in, splitting it up between them. Like, they, God has been so faithful. And so he gets to, to chapter 24, verse 14, uh, and he kind of does this switch. Um, in, in chapter 24, verse 14, he starts off and he says, now. Um, this is kind of like a, a transition statement here. He says, now. Other, other places in the Bible, uh, they, they might say, therefore, or because of this. Um, and so what he's saying is, because of everything I just told you, here's what we're going to do. What he's, what he's really asking is, in the light of all God has done for us, who are we going to be as a people? He has saved us. He has delivered us. He has kept every promise that he's ever made to us. And so, so who are we going to serve in the light of that? And what's actually pretty awesome and pretty incredible is, is the way Joshua's going to ask this question and challenge the Israelites. Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to go on a diet. Um, <laughs> the way that he's going to challenge these Israelites is uh, he is going to do it in a way that actually gives us a picture of what it looks like to really serve God. He's going to ask this question, pose it in a way that, that shows us what serving God is. And so we're going to pick up in verse 14 of chapter 24, and this is what it says. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. So because of what God has done for us over and over and over. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, which they worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living in now. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. So, here is um, Joshua, and he kind of gives this challenge, right? Here he is. He's, he's talked about all the great things God has done, and he comes to this place and says, we ought to serve the Lord. He's, and, but then he says, what you need to do today is you need to choose. Who are you going to serve? And the first thing he says is, choose whether you're going to serve God or whether you're going to serve the gods your ancestors served. Your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates. Are, are, are you going to serve God, or are you, are you going to go back to what our ancestors were doing before they knew God? 
Are you going to serve God or are you going to go back to our old ways? And so what really he's saying is in order to serve God, we need to not look back to our old ways. Um, Jesus in Luke actually says something pretty similar to this. Um, in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, he says, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No one who puts their hand... He gives us this picture of a man plowing a field. I don't know if you've driven past cornfields, or I know the Comptons just got back from seeing a lot of cornfields probably. And, um, but you'll notice that the rows are perfectly straight. The crops are planted in these perfect straight rows. And he gives us a picture of this man plowing a field, and he's constantly looking behind him. And because he's constantly looking behind him, I don't know if you've done this while you're driving, like you look out the window and wave at someone, and then all of a sudden you're halfway into the lane next to you. Um, it happens to me every now and then. And <laughs> this is what's happening with this guy plowing the field. He's looking over his shoulder. He's looking behind him, and he, and, and he can't plow the field cor correctly. He starts to veer off. And then it gets, I mean, once you go one off, then the next one's going to be off. And then it's going to get worse and worse, and, and he's going to ruin the whole field. So, so Jesus says, look, you can't plow the field and be looking to your past. You can't, if you're going to follow God, you can't be constantly going back to your old life. There's the story of uh, Hernan Cortez. Um, does anyone know who Cortez is? He's the Spanish explorer who like, conquered all of Mexico. And the story goes that, um, which is a real story, Cortez uh, sails to Mexico with 700 men. And they step onto the beaches there. And the very first thing he does is he turns to his men and he says, burn the ships. Light the ships. The ships that we just sailed across the ocean, burn those ships to the ground. See, Cortez knew that things were going to get tough, that things, things weren't always going to go their way. There's going to be times where they feel like they can't go any further. There's going to be times where they feel like everyone is, like, they just can't win. And he knows that if the ships are still there, the men are going to think, well, let's just go back to the ships and sail home. Let's just go back. We have our plan B. Our plan B is the ships. And so if it doesn't work out for us here, we'll just go back to the ships. We'll, say, we'll be good. But he takes 700 men and conquers all of Mexico with them because there was no plan B. There was no going back to the ships. He burned the ships. And I think, what are the ships of my life that I still need to burn? What are the things that I'm still going back to, still keeping, um, holding on to, that I need to give over to Christ? What are the, the old things in me that I still need to put to death? When following Christ, when serving God is our plan, there is no plan B. We need to burn the ships. I think of even going on a diet. You don't keep the brownies out on the counter. Like, I'm going on a diet, you throw the brownies away. You don't just leave them there just in case. In the same way, we need to throw the brownies away. Um, secondly, he says, so you can serve God or, serve, or, or go back to what we were doing before, before God, what our ancestors did. Or he says, you can serve God or you could serve the, the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living now. You can't do both. You can't serve God and be part of the culture that you're, that you're living in and serve, do what everyone else in, in your culture is doing now. You need to choose. 
is what he's really saying is you can't, you can't conform to the world. You're going to be different because you're serving God. This is exactly what we talked about two weeks ago in Romans 12. Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Um, I think what's crazy is after he poses, after Joshua poses these questions, the people are like, yeah, we're going to follow, like they, they're getting pumped up. They're like, we're going to follow God. And Joshua says, are you sure? It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to cost, it's going to cost something. It's, it's going to be tough. Like, like, are you sure you want to do this? And they're like, yes, we are going to serve God. 100% we're in. And what Joshua says next, in verse 23, he says, then throw away the foreign gods that are among you. See, they're at this meeting, and people have literally brought their idols with them. They've brought the statues of the foreign gods with them. And, and as they're saying, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to serve the Lord, in their other hand, they have this idol of the, the gods of their people. And I think he's saying, look, you can't do both. You can't be holding on to these things with one hand and saying you're going to serve God in the other. Um, have you ever heard of the term a flexitarian? There's this new uh, thing that I guess is starting to happen. Um, there's these people that are calling themselves flexitarians. And what it is, it's a vegetarian who they don't eat meat, except for like maybe bacon, because like bacon is like really good. <laughs> and, and like, well, also like, I'll, I'll have a cheeseburger, like from In-N-Out in is like so cheap and I have to go there, so I'll have cheeseburgers too. And like, you know, if we go to a nice restaurant, I'm gonna order a steak, because that's like what you're supposed to do at a nice restaurant. And, and then on Friday, I, I do eat chicken. Um, and then like lunch meat's okay. So there's literally these people that are flexitarians. And so they really, it's this idea that I'm a vegetarian, but I do kind of eat meat. And what's funny is you look at these people and you think, you're no different than me. Like, you're eating meat and I'm, you're just calling yourself a vegetarian and eating meat, and I'm not calling myself a vegetarian <laughs> and eating meat. Like, we're, the sa we're doing the same thing. And, and here's the deal, there's no such thing as a, as a flexitarian, there's no such thing as a flexi-Christian either. It's not this, like, pick and choose what we want to do. It's, it's a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week commitment. It's like marriage. It's not something that you can do sometimes or some days or when I feel like it or when I'm not tired or when I'm not, you know, in a bad mood. It's a 24-hour-a-day type thing. I think it's interesting, uh, Joshua he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He doesn't say, as for me and my house, we will believe in God. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's, there's something going on here. There's an action happening. You know, Jesus in the New Testament, he says, believe in me five times. Believe in me. He says, follow me 20 times. There, there's no, there is no belief without follow. There is no believe in God without serving God. Um, there's this word in the New Testament, uh, and most of the, of the writers of the New Testament, when, the Testament, when they're um, writing, they describe themselves as this word, this word dolos. Um, and they would say, I am Paul, a duolos of God. And this word dolos means uh, servant or slave. And in the Hebrew culture, 
what you would do is uh, they had servants. And these servants, they could earn their freedom if they worked hard enough. If they, if they worked enough and they, got to, they could get to this point where, man, they've earned their freedom now. And they're free to go. But every now and then, what would happen is the people, uh, the servants, would earn their freedom and they would realize something. It's actually been pretty good under the master. They would realize that, man, the master takes care of us, my family, and me. And, and he loves us and he protects us. And, and, and I have a place to, to work and to live. And, and maybe it's not so bad under the master. The master. This master loves me. And if I go out on my own, who knows what's out there for me. But, but if I stay with the master, then, then I'll be protected. I'll be safe. I'll be, it's, it's good. And so what the servant would do then is he would become a bond servant of the master. He, he could go to the master and say, you know what? I know I've earned my freedom, but I'm giving it back. I'm giving it back to you. You take my freedom. I'm going to serve you. And he couldn't say, like, look, I, I know I've earned my freedom, and so I'm going to do Monday through Friday with you, and then Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to, you know, be free, and then come back, and, and Monday through Friday, you know. He couldn't do that. It was like an all-or-nothing thing. If he, if he wanted the protection and the love and the care of the master, he said, look, I'm going to serve you 100%. And I think that's what we do with Christ. We have a master who loves us, the only master who's willing to die for us. And we go to him. He offers us whether or not we want to serve. And we can say, look, I, I want to continue to, to serve you and, and do it every day of the week, seven days a week. I want to be all in. C.S. Lewis, he says it like this. He says, or God says, in C.S. Lewis' words, give me all of you. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your talents and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you, all of you. I have not come to torment or frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't only want to prune a branch here and a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit. All of your desires, all of your wants and wishes and dreams, turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me, and I will make you a new self in my image. I love how C.S. Lewis says that. So finally, uh, Joshua says, look, you can, you, can serve, you can go back to the old ways or serve God. You can be like the culture around you. You can conform to the culture around you or serve God. And, and finally, what he does is he says, you need to remember who God is. That's, that's how this is going to work. If you remember who God is, then you won't conform to the culture around you. Then you won't go back to your old ways. If you remember who God is. And, and he knows. He's been with the Israelites for a long time. He's been with the Israelites as they escaped Egypt. He knows that, that they have a forgetting problem. The Israelites have this problem that every time things get good or things get bad even, they forget about God. They forget about what God's faithfulness. They forget about what God has done in the past. And they start to panic and they start to think, God's not going to show up for me now. God's not going to be here now. They have a forgetting problem. And I think maybe we kind of have the same problem. We have this spiritual amnesia where 
where it's so easy to forget about what God has done for us. It's so easy to just live our lives without ever even thinking about God. You see, at, at the airport, <clears throat> I'm there standing in front of this guy, and he asked me, do you have a bullet in your bag? It was four years ago. I didn't even have a gun, so I do now. Um, anyway, <clears throat> I, I, I don't even have a gun. I, I, there's no way I have a bullet in my bag. So I look at him like, you're crazy. No, I don't have a bullet in my bag. He's got these gloves on, and he, I remember he reaches in, and it's, it was like the first thing right there. And he just grabs this bullet and pulls it out of my bag. It's like a 40 caliber. It's a large handgun bullet. Um, and he goes, well, what's this? And I was like, I, I, I have no idea how that got there. Like, I, I promise, just throw it away, and we'll go. Like, I, yeah, I don't want it. Like, take it. And he's like, dude, I can't just throw this away. Like, this is going to be a problem. And so he takes me over to this other table. And before you know it, there's like four cops <laughs> that, that have surrounded me. Um, I actually have a picture. This is me. At the, Sarah took a picture because she thought it was funny. <laughs> and uh, so there's, four there's like four cops now, and they're all like interrogating me. And Sarah's over there like, he's a pastor. He's like nice. <laughs> and I'm like, don't, don't. Now they're going to think I'm like some extremist or something. Like. And so they're like, what, what, why did you bring a bullet in your bag? I'm like, I did not. I don't know how that got there. And I remember the, the cop that was talking to me, he was like pretty intense. He scared me pretty good. And he goes, look, you're responsible for packing your own bags. You're responsible for knowing what's in your bags when you show up at the airport. Like, you can't just say, I don't know how that got there. You, like, that's your job to know. It's your bag. And I think what happens is, in the same way with us, I think the world starts to creep in, or our old ways start to creep into us. And, and, and after time, if we're not remembering, if we're not paying attention to God, very often we might get caught at the end of our lives saying, I, I don't know how that got there. I, 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 I could have sworn I, I was following God, but maybe I won't. I, there's the bullet in the bag. I, I, don't know, I don't know what that is. But the truth is we're, we're responsible for packing our own spiritual bags. We're responsible for knowing what's in there. Um, Paul, he writes letters to the churches. Over and over in the New Testament, there's different churches he's writing letters to. And over and over, he explains the gospel to them. And, and what's crazy is He's writing to believers. He's writing to people who already believe the gospel, to, to people who he calls brothers, and then he explains the gospel because he knows something, that they need to be reminded of the gospel over and over, that that reminding of the gospel is, is, is for them the way that they check their bags to see what's in there. And I think we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We need to continually go. That's why I'm such a big proponent of like quiet times, because every day we need to be going back to Jesus. That's why we need to be coming to church. That's what this is about, is that we can remember, so that we don't forget, so that we don't get to the end of our lives and, and be like, I don't know what happened and what, what got here, but I guess this is where I'm at now. Two chapters later, after Joshua um, gives this speech and judges, the people of Israel turn away from God. Two chapters later, after they say, I want to follow God, I want to follow, like, that's what I'm all about. Two chapters later, 
they turn away from God again. And it's because they have this forgetting problem. And I think that when we start to forget, there's these indicators that come up in our lives. Thursday, I was driving down uh, to Tucson, and a light popped up on my dash. And I thought, well, that's cool. And I just kept going. <laughs> and five minutes later, <clears throat> all of a sudden, I couldn't go faster than 60 miles an hour. And then I couldn't go faster than 50 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, my car was really slowing down, and I had to pull off the freeway. And I think in our lives, we have these indicator lights that come up. And we, a lot of times, love to ignore them. We have these indicators that we are beginning to forget the gospel. Not in our heads. We're not forgetting our heads, but we're forgetting in our hearts. And so, oftentimes, we need to ask, I need to ask myself, I need to check in on myself, check my bag and say, why am I being so apathetic? Or why am I being so impatient or, or anxious or complaining and whining? Why am I so angry or why am I so selfish right now? These are indicators in my life. These are indicators that I'm beginning to forget, and I need to remember. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus, the, the author and perfecter of my faith. And I think this is what we do every week. We're not taking communion this week, but each week we come here and we take communion. communion. And, and when God broke the bread, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He knows that we tend to have a forgetting problem. It's not a mental forgetting, it's a, it's a spiritual forgetting. We have this forgetting problem. And so we come and we take communion together as an act of remembrance. Because when we remember rightly, we don't, then that's how, we, that's how we serve God. When we remember rightly, we serve God the way he's called us to. So as the band comes back up, um, I want you guys to think for a second. <clears throat> I found this out a couple of days ago that Joshua is actually the Hebrew name uh, for Jesus. And God uses Joshua to deliver the Israelite people into the promised land. And he gives them victory through Joshua. And in the same way, God delivers us through Jesus. And he saves us through Jesus. And he gives us victory through Jesus. And so... I think I, I want to leave us with the same question um, that Joshua asked, kind of at the beginning. In the light of what God has done, in the light of what Jesus did on the cross, who shall we be? Who are we going to follow? Are we going to remember what he's done? I want to pray, and uh, we'll sing another song. Lord, thank you that you love us. That you're the master who's willing to die for his servants. That you give us victory. That you give us freedom, salvation through Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would not forget that. And that we would not conform to the world around us. That we would not go back to our old ways. That we would remember that we would dwell on you, Lord. That we would fix our eyes upon the cross. And that week after week as we come back here, we would continue to remember. And thank you for saving us. We love you. 
In your name we pray. Amen.